Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. And today I have with me Mark Luckenbach, if that's pronounced correctly. Welcome to the show, Mark. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. No, you did you did great. Like I said, it's been um you'll never do as bad as it's already been done. It's it's been it's been torn apart pretty good over the years. So <laughs> Excellent. Some yeah, people for have, having me. Some people have been more horrible than me. That's a great start. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh yeah, so yeah, thanks a lot for having me, man. Very cool, very cool. Pleasure, pleasure having you. So uh, as you know, my audience are uh, eager to learn lots of management tips and tricks. And, and I, I like interviewing people in different niches and sort of with different backgrounds because it m- often makes it a lot easier for people to relate to. It's it's often easy to sit and listen to some CEO who's running 100-people company and like him giving out all his tricks, but sometimes it can be difficult for people to relate so well. So really what I... What I'm trying to do in my podcast is really get all the the good golden nuggets out from real business owners who have built businesses from the ground. And obviously, I've seen your name around the world of, well, particularly SEO, but the the world of Facebook for many years. So I I figured you were an amazing guest to bring on this show. I appreciate it. I hope I can provide some value. I'm, I'm sure you can. So, uh, Mark, for, for those people who don't yet know about you, do you want to share a little bit with the world about your massive successes and failures? <laughs> yeah, throughout, um, throughout all of the failures, I managed to have a few wins. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how it works, right? It's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. Definitely. Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have a few client-facing agencies. Um, that are you know focused specifically around one niche. Um, you know I own I own equity in some white label stuff, and uh, that's you know Web twenty. And I, I've really been into software uh, the past couple of years, and I definitely believe that's the the direction I'm heading. I have a um, you know a, a new project I'm working on where we're going to specifically like my, my goal over the next few years is to concentrate solely on um, funding software development and the acquisition of companies or the acquisition of equity into companies. So that's, that's it. I mean, we've, we've ran the numbers on the ROI and I've never had anything with that type of ROI, that level of like sustainability. So again, I just, over the next couple of years and, you know, we've done it successfully the past, you know, few, but I want to get a lot more aggressive with buying equity in digital marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I, I love the software space. So I'm going to continue to work with my partners there to build the engineering team farther and, uh, you know, just try to, try to, uh, I mean, the, the likelihood of building the, you know, a unicorn is, is low, but there's, there's a lot of, a lot of revenue in SaaS and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of different challenges. So that's, that's basically it, man. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I, I definitely have spent years talking about SEO and a lot of stuff, but moving forward, I, I, you know, I just want to, uh, I just want to buy businesses and build businesses. <laughs> Sounds like a great plan. And yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, few businesses with, with those ROIs and, and realistically, when you build a product one time and you keep selling the same thing with literally minimal 
expenses. It's it's difficult not to make money if you have a good product in your hands. So yeah, that's a, yeah definitely a very interesting business model. Thank you. So, um, Mark, what uh, what is your management philosophy? How do you look at management? Like when you when you have a team, either existing one or you have to build a new one. Like, what what's sort of your mindset about building a team, setting one up, and and how to manage it? Okay, that's that's a great question. It's it's a, that's a big question. So, Definitely. if at any time you want to kind of pull me in a certain direction, feel free. Um, but so the first thing I want to look at is the goal of the team, right? Like, what do I, what do I want this team to be doing? And I've, you know, we've, we've developed, uh, you know, a very repeatable and I don't, it's a system I love. And that's where we have like a hybrid kind of fulfillment um, structure where we will build a team. For example, our one office, we have about 30 people in indoor and that's in India. And um, you know, that is, that is then, you know, I don't want to say managers, we have an entire um, hierarchy there. And it's important, we've learned it's really important to empower the manager there. And to let them know that that's their, you know, that's their thing to manage. But we also then have a team here in the States that sits in, you know, on the front end. And that's where, you know, I'd say probably 90, 95% of the, the customer, communi- customer communication lives. Uh, that whole ecosystem, you know, th- that's comprised of customer support, uh, sales, uh, quality control, right? It's all those different things. And we yep. found that that works. Um, it works really well uh, just because, you know, the, the first and foremost thing with a lot of, a lot of the times when I see people have issues with their business, it's customer communication, right? So, and you, you can't, a lot of people have the expectation of being able to just take everything and put it into a country that allows them to save money. And that's cool. But at the same time, you know, you have to be considerate that a lot of the people you're going to be hiring, English isn't even their second language. You know, English is, we've had team members where English is like their freaking fifth language and they did phenomenally well with it, but it's like, I can't even, I can't communicate in their native tongue at all. So how am I going to have this, this expectation, right? That they will, you know, be proficient in mine. Um, But, but that hybrid thing worked really well for us, but it's a lot about, it's a lot about empowerment I found. And, you know, I, I don't come from, you know, I'm not an MBA. I don't come from like the man, like I managed because it's one of the hats I had to wear. Right. And I think yep. that's probably a lot of your listeners. If they come from, you know, the Facebook world that we, you know, bump shoulders in, like yep. they're, they're probably similar, right. Where they're just, they're Definitely. entrepreneurial and, you know, they're not, they don't, you know, they're not managers in terms of like, oh, yeah, I have my MBA. I understand all of these different management structures and these project management exercises and, and ecosystems because it's, it's a lot, right? You know that. Yeah, it's a lot. Definitely. And I, I think, I mean, I, I love the way you're looking at it, right? Because I think, like, full disclosure, I obviously own a, an outsourcing business as well. But uh, I, I always talk to people and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out when we have new potential clients is it the right thing for you? Because for me, from a management standpoint, one of the key things is in a business, you want to figure out what do you 100% want to own 
and what are you okay with not owning, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, web development could easily be one where, where a lot of companies who haven't got expertise in that basically have the ability to say, you know, like we're okay not being expert web developers. Like we're totally okay with that because it's not our strength, yeah. right? But exactly as you're saying, like particularly if you're selling like a SaaS solution, as example, it, it doesn't mean you can't provide customer service from the likes of the Philippines. But if you're providing like a high level solution, like a high cost solution, similar to like if you sell Ferraris, right? You're selling a premium product. If you're selling a premium product, you have to have a service to follow along with that. Because if you sell, if you sell a product that's, you know, thousands of dollars a month, and then your customer service sucks, like customers can cobble that together. They don't phantom how, like, why am I paying a thousand dollars when these guys don't even want to talk with me in a proper way. Right. Whereas if you're selling a SaaS that's like $8 a month, then probably your level and, and your ability to, to actually um, like provide amazing customer support is probably significantly less. It doesn't mean like so, but you always need to look at it as a priority decision and really understand what is it that you want to own in your business, right? And, and that's really, I think really that's what you're saying, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really how I like to look at it when we work with new people, right? And, and I love the way you've done it, where you say customer service is absolutely key for our success. And, you know, it's more cost effective for us to have developers elsewhere, but customer services for you where the game is. And I, I totally agree with a lot of companies, right? Customer services is key. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, I think you made, you made two points that I, I just hope people, I hope people really pick up on because it's brilliant the way you worded it. The first one was when you said, like, what's, what's your thing? What do you want to own? What's your, and I always tell people, what's your core competency? Right. If you come from a sales background and you're just, you're a gun, you are a hired gun on the phone. You get on the phones, you get face to face and you close, you close better than anyone else. Then even if you want to move away from the life of sales, you can start building a sales team under you and, you know, one day get a manager to replace you and whatnot. But in, you know, in the interim, like you should be closing. And yeah. right, like you should be focusing on what's going to, what's going to bring the revenue in first and web design's a good one where you can easily move it out. Or you can also, you know, if you build boutique sites, you're building $20,000, $50,000 custom solutions, a hundred K even, um, then that might be something, Hey, you know, we're okay. We also offer some SEO solutions or whatever. We're okay with, you know, mo moving that to a different team. But, you know, I want to have a bit more uh, control in-house. Like, that's, that's brilliant. And that's exactly where I think people should start when they start team building. Um, and that's, like, because I see so many people who are like, oh, I want to build a business. You know, I need a web developer. I need all this stuff. And, and in a short time, because they haven't really sat down and, and found out what they need to own, they end up with a huge team. And, and often they don't, they end up not even having work for them. And, you know, if you're not a great web developer yourself, like hiring people to build an amazing website for you, it is pretty difficult, right? Like, it's not just like go to Upwork and hire a web developer and suddenly you have like an amazing website. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't potentially happen, but it generally don't, right? So there's a lot of work behind it. And if it's not your core competency, if it's not what you do and what you want to be an expert at, you're really spending a significant amount of time on, on something that's a lot irre irrelevant, really, right, to your, to your business. So key thing is really understand what you, what you need to own. So I love that, uh, I love that concept. So 
really good. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing you said that was really amazing was about, you know, you're not going to take a guy that spent, you know, years selling used Toyota Camrys, you know, at buy here, sell here joints. You're not going to take him and put him on a Ferrari floor and expect him to have the same type of success, right? So I think it is big making sure whoever's going to be communicating or selling or even retaining, right, whether it's going over reports or, you know, setting all of that up with a client or whatever, um, you know, having them, making sure it's a good, I mean, we talk so much about like product fit, right, but there should also be like a, like a talent fit. And it's not to say that if you sold Camrys, you can't sell Ferraris, but day one, you're not going <laughs> to, you're that, not going to, you're dealing with that. Definitely a learning curve, let's say it that way. Yeah. So, okay, good, good. That sounds cool. So uh, how many people and, and how many teams do you have today, Mark? Like how many people are you overseeing and so on? We, we teeter-totter around 100. Uh, okay. It might be a little more at the time. Like I said, we have um, a lot of like tedious uh, like account creation tasks and stuff and, and – uh, that's basically a citation building stuff like that we do in indoor um we have two large writing teams that uh we're, we're producing internally about a million words a month right now and that's just a mess so that's well we have two teams like actual teams stationed but then we also have a network of freelance american writers just for the higher quality content stuff and that is uh that that was that was a headache. That took a long time. That that was one of the hardest teams I've ever built in my life actually. Was a writing team that could really provide content for like lower tier stuff for accounts all the way up to like well researched homepage content for like celebrity esque lawyers, right? Like where they're very picky. And um, and, and and I guess one team doing that it's really that's really five different businesses, right? Because oh, it is like, yeah, it is Big variation. And we have a team of uh, engineers. They handle all of our software development. Um, they're mainly rails engineers. We have some JavaScript, uh, you know, basically uh, we, we have a, a nice little shop of them. Uh, oops, sorry. Nested away. Cool. Um, I don't think I'm missing anything. Uh, that's good. Else, if they're listening to this podcast, they'll be wildly disappointed, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to on the fact that it's getting late and I'm, uh, it's just been a long, it's been a long year. Hey, the year's almost over, man. I didn't, I didn't get too much of a break yet. So if I miss someone, I, I apologize. Oh, I, I did. Well, then, then we have the, the agency, the two agency teams, which yeah. one of those we have, we have an office out. Um, out west, and we have an office in Florida, so the, nice. I guess we did miss those. But that's you know that's more agency based. And of course, we have oh my god, we have my office here in Hanover. Um, we we just uh, I don't know we have we have like maybe twelve, ten, twelve people in there right now, always yep. hiring, always trying to grow. And so yeah, those are the teams. <laughs> Excellent. Just Excellent. Casually missed like three of them, but. That's okay. That's okay. It happens. So what's, uh, what, what's the biggest failure you've ever had? Oh, and that's, wow. that, that's a horrible question, but I'm very keen on people's sort of... Sure. Are, yeah. we, are we looking for something manager-centric or did we just want the biggest... I, I, ideally, ideally a little bit manager-centric. 
Man, wow. Oh, I should have prepped better for this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I'm always trying to surprise people with it to get the most authentic version. So oh, <laughs> I have one for sure. Oh, my God. How could I even miss this? So my biggest failure was 1,000%. If you're going to set up um, teams, in my opinion, this is just the opinion of Mark. Sure. And like, I am not the team-building guru, right? Like, we've, we've spent money and time building our own teams. Like, this is just what I've found. Um, I love setting up teams in other countries because, like, of course the main thing is that of the, the labor is a lot more inexpensive. Yeah. It's also really cool. Like, the difference you can make in other countries is, like, insane. So – we had an office in Iloilo City in the Philippines for quite some time. And that was at its like peak. I think there was maybe, maybe between 45 and 60 people in there at its yeah. peak. And like, it was so cool because for holidays, um, you know, we would put out, like we would buy everyone or well, not everyone in the city, but we would, we would buy like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meals and gifts and stuff. And it was like, it was so easy to like, you know, positively impact people's lives over there, you know, it, that, that was cool. Right. And then in turn, you build this loyalty with the team where they're like, man, these guys give a damn, like, obviously they're, you know, they're building teams over here to save money over, yeah. you know, building an American shop, but you know, it's nice when they give us, you know, these cash bonuses and, you know, we, we fed, you know, we fed the team every day. We always made sure there were stockpiles of food and like, it was cool. Right. So like, that's, that's cool too. But at the end of the day, like I, I love doing that stuff. You learn a lot about other people's cultures and you know, it, it's cool. It's cool to see the impact you can have on a community. Right. But yeah. the biggest mistake we made for sure, for sure, was that specific office. Um, we didn't have a hand in the build. So we worked with another guy to build that office and mm -hmm. was a partner at the time. And like, it was our office. Like we, you know, split the funding of everything. It was his building. Um, so from my understanding that th this was like few years ago we built this so i'm a little i'm a little rusty but sure. when we talk to attorneys like as americans i don't think we could own property there correct yeah you, you, am i right it was yeah. yeah so like it was his building and he wanted to like build additional stories onto the building and do like some really grandiose things which was dope like i was all about it but you know i was like man it's it's i'm a little uncomfortable investing in like construction and stuff when at any given time you can just kind of shoot the middle finger at us and we're out of that investment right yeah so, regardless but um <clears throat> the thing was like that was his team right so when he built that team even though it was like our team it was his team and that yeah. became apparent when it came time to like quality control or you know try to circle back and say hey here's some of the issues we're having with output um here's some of the things we need to fix it started to quickly become a thing where it's like oh well this isn't these aren't like our bosses you know what i mean yeah. so there's, there started to be some some tension there and then it, it just it just came down to the fact that there was a very tight relationship there and he wasn't i don't think he was managing uh, tough enough on some of the people with some sure. people he ruled with like an iron fist. Yeah. Um, some of the people he just, there was like a very 
I don't know, like prior relationships or you, you know how it is when you work with yep. like shoulder to shoulder with someone, you will develop that. Yep. And that's, I think that is important to develop because, you know, if you tell someone to hit the bricks, like it should be for a good reason, right? Yeah. Even Definitely. though I, I do have the higher fast fire fast philosophy, but when you're shoulder to shoulder in the trenches with people, I mean, you develop friendships and relationships and, Definitely. It is what it is, but that, w- that was a big one because what ended up happening was, and even to this day, we developed all the SOPs and the training and we quality controlled it from here in the States and we kind of refined everything. And that guy took the shop and started going to other marketers and having them like sell our products, like competing shops. Yeah, and nice. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> So it, it is what it is. Like, I'm not even sour about it. I, I mean, it happened. Like, it yeah. was uh, – But the, so the biggest mistake, I think, was, like, if you're going to build a team, you should build your team and have your control. And, I mean, you're always going to run the risk, it, you know, when you train 20, 30, 50 people on how to do what you do. You always run the risk that they're going to say, hey – we can go and kind of branch out. We can start, you know, Fiverr gigs and <laughs> Conquer gigs or whatever. Sure. And you can make extra money. And, you know, if you worry, in my opinion, if you worry about that all, every day, you're not doing big enough stuff. You your, your, your focus is on the wrong thing, definitely. Agreed. Definitely. And, and, but, but the thing is, I would, I would say make sure your boot's on the ground. Make sure you develop like a, that really strong bond with the, the, whoever you appoint to be the manager. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't think it's, it's wrong to kind of be, I don't want to say a hard ass, but, you know, you, you, can be the, you can be the guy you love. Everyone loves when they're kicking ass and doing well, but they know they're not going to love them when um, they know they messed up, right? Or they're being, yeah. you know, not making mistakes necessarily, but just being incompetent or negligent. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're like, damn, it sucks that Mark's going to be mad because he's, he's, he's mad when he's mad. Right. But as long as everyone's like, they're not like doing crazy stuff. It's like, man, Mark's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what, what I would say on that, I mean, obviously we, we've run an outsourcing business for a long time, right? And I actually, we, we, we sort of started and, and we still are focused on the same thing as you pointed out in the beginning. I mean, our focus, honestly, there's no money in it, right? Like running an outsourcing company itself is like, if, if it doesn't lose money, it's doing pretty well, right? But, uh, but, but for us, the whole focus has always been uh, like exactly that local impact, right? Because like we are helping hundreds of people have jobs and, yeah. you know, we're consistently creating jobs. And for me, like living in the Philippines, like that, that feeling and that impact, exactly as you described it, it's like amazing, right? And, and uh, I think like, you know, we've had people who have been offer double salary to go work somewhere else we've turned it down right not necessarily because we are the best of the best but they know like they know we take care of our people right and and to a lot of people exactly and that that means a lot right but what what i would say so we we actually have a few different models right so we we both uh, help some clients actually build an office so we actually help them set up and and so on and and it's usually in rental space right so they don't own things because as you say they can't uh, but but we help them set out office and and get things done that way and we also help uh, on the other hand like actually building teams within our office buildings so um 
yeah. I, I, again, both things work, but I, I like what you say with the, with the, like, make sure you own your team, right? For me, the number one thing with, with any people you hire is you always have to invest time in building solid relationships, right? Yeah. Because it all comes down to relationships. Yeah, and I guess a clarifying point, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, using services like you have. It's just when you're going to go and, like, it's team building time, right, where you're putting money down for not even a rental but an actual place or, you know, you're looking to really have a partner that has boots on the ground. Um, You know what I mean? I I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, honestly, I – someone just jumping into getting office space and starting to staff, you have to be at a special, a special place. In my opinion, unless unless you're running off of, unless you know, you have an audience or, you know, you already have um, the acquisition engine in your, in your agency kind of refined or ready to go. Like you're funded. Like I I wouldn't even start there. Right. Um, Yeah. Like you said, like I remember, I think you had options where people can hire like someone for part time or full time, and you can start with like one person. And yeah, we 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 start we start with one person, but usually full time. But but exactly as you say, that the, the key thing really for me have always been uh, getting people the right level of, of, of support, right? Because like we, we, we purposely don't tie people into contracts for that reason because we see so many people starting up and they haven't really thought it through. Like even though I, you know, I sit down with them and I'm like, are you sure this is the thing for you? Are you ready for it? You know, and then a couple of months down the line, they're like, oh, dude, the things didn't go as expected. And I'm like, really <laughs> right and that's that's why like we, we we generally don't tie people into contracts because i mean we can yeah. bring them down right and i'm that's not what we're interested in but i, I think I, I really like the way you look at it overall though because i think fundamentally um like it's, it's not just for me about using services i mean again if you can do it yourself that's definitely that's definitely good right but i think it's more a question again taking that step back and seeing what you want to own exactly. right because when you know what you want to own, that really helps you have a good view of, you know, how, how close do the different things need to be, right? Because like a lot of the stuff we, we run uh, for clients at the moment, that would be things like customer service for Amazon stores, right? So we have a lot of sort of 24-7 uh, teams that actually do customer service either for Amazon or for, for private stores, right? And it works really well because a lot of these people, they don't have huge profits, like they don't have huge profit margins. So they can't really afford to have customer service in the US, right? Um, but they can get 24-7 service. They can get chat service. They can get all that stuff through us. And it gives them a new layer of opportunity uh, without having to invest a million dollars, right? Right. So that's, it, it's like definitely understand what you want to own is, is key, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think being realistic about where you're at, too, um, this is something I, I see. I have a very specific person in mind when I say this. They'll probably listen to this and be like, damn, he's talking <laughs> about me. But they go they go for the gusto. So they'll be the, the first person to say, hey, we, ha- we need to do X amount of these things each month. And it's something small. It's something we could I – mean, it's like Upwork small, or it's maybe a couple small projects per month, um, yeah. not technically intensive where we need like a high-level engineer or anything like that. And it's like 
let's get a guy in house for 80 grand a year <laughs> doing this. And it's like, whoa, it's like, just let, let's think about this, right? Like let, let's, let's build stepping stones and, you know, maybe we start with just a guy on Upwork and once it gets a bit more constant, we can say, Hey, maybe we try a, you know, a service like Mads or we, you know, or we go for, you know, a more consistent, I've never been a big fan of, unmanaged VAs, right? And I know you guys have a managed service. I've I, I always pushed people like, look, find someone on Upwork, right? And get it by the project. That way yeah. you don't have to worry about time tracking, you know, five, 10 people. If you're in a small agency, it's all project-based, right? You don't need to worry about time tracking five to 10 people and all of these different you know, ecosystems of, of the project of the project that, yeah. you know, don't even conflate and then, you know, focus on, uh, focus on trying to say, Hey, let, let's just get it by the project. And once you outgrow them where it's like, man, I'm spending more right with all of these projects, we're getting them to do each month. I'm spending more than I'd like to let's look at hiring. I, I always would urge people to, to hop and skip over an unmanaged VA. Um, Years ago, I had uh, I, I grew an agency pretty big. It was a very general. I I started with uh, kind of specializing in the dental space, and then we kind of generalized, and it got got pretty. It got decently big. I, I was proud of it. Um, yeah. But the big one of the biggest mistakes we made was early on we went that VA route. Like we started with a lot of outsourcing, right, and different yeah. project project type deals uh, with freelancers and whatnot. And we, I went the unmanaged VA route and I was hiring remote people to manage VAs, which I was hiring the managers out of Eastern Europe. And then they were kind of in charge of managing, right. All these, these different, these different VAs from around the world. And it was what a freaking mess. And maybe for a smaller agency, there could be people that listen to this and are like, Hey, that's what we do. And it works great. And, Hey, I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade, but as we scaled to that, you know, we ended up, I think our high, our high mark there might've been three, like 3.85 million a year. Yeah. Right, right around there. It didn't work for me at that level. You really need to have a shop set up in my opinion at that level. And I, I just, I, for some reason that situation, and I, it could have been a lot of mistakes on my part, right. For sure. But I, I always just from there on, I was like, I think I'm going to skip on managed VAs. So, so what, what I would say is that um, management doesn't get easier when you're dealing with remote people. And in fact, what happens is the opposite, right? Basically, the problems you have in your business get significantly more visible when people are remote because there's a lot of things you can kind of brush over and there's a lot of things that, you know, things like relationship building and all that. Like when you have an office, for example, where people say good morning and it, so they they have they have a chat with each other every day and stuff. Uh, so that there is stuff that happens that you know when when you start being far away. Like if you're not good with people, if you're if if, if your sort of ability to talk with people and communicate effectively with people is crap, and that makes it significantly worse when you're then not in an office with them, right? But uh, I, I actually work with a lot of clients in exactly the situation you described and. Mm -hmm. 
for a lot of them that there's definitely ways to make it work and there's definitely ways for it to work again what i always try and do is is understand what do you need to own in-house and what can other people do because like when i see agencies again they always try and manage everything and i know we have been hitting this point but what one example is things like speed optimization right like we 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 work i work with a seo company and they were you know they wanted to do seo they wanted to do speed so they ended up hiring a full-time us developer just to do like a couple of speed optimizations a month right yeah rather rather than going out and paying a couple of hundred quid to some service who does it for you right Right. and for me it's the perfect example of why agencies often don't think things through right like they're too they're too focused on oh we need this we need that we need and and so often it's just not needed right like if if you have and, and, and not just because of the skill set, but just as much when you own something, you also need to manage it. Yep. And the more stuff you need to manage, the more time you need to allocate to manage it and the more overhead you'll have, right? Like you can't have a team that's not being managed. Well, you can't have a well-functioning team that ain't being managed. So you need to make sure you then have the overhead to pay for that, which is additional money, which is, again, when, when, when companies grow, what often happens is they start out with one pricing model, right? And that works fine when you're five people or 10 people because you don't have that much overhead. But every time you grow, in, in principle, efficiency should benefit you and you should make more money. But because you keep putting in more overhead every time, what actually happens is your margins keep shrinking and shrinking because every time you have to hire a manager, they're often better paid than end users or sort of the end deliverable guys. And what ends up happening is you often see agencies going from having decent margins to having little to no margins. And the bigger they grow, the less the margins get, right? Now, if you keep, in principle, if you keep growing your revenue and you keep declining on your margins, you're not running a very good business, <laughs> Agree. Yeah, so. absolutely, man. No, and I love the, I I love that point. If there's one thing people take away, it is, it is just that. I know we have we have hit it from a few different angles now, but it's a very powerful point of management, right? Understanding what's going to be yours and and knowing what goes along with that. There's a responsibility, like you said. And yep. just to add one more thing, and I think you were, this is probably pretty obvious for most people, but if you do decide to own something and you're a year in and have a team, right. Or a few people or even one person there and, and it's built around it, and you have processes and just a system built for it and it's not working right because of that lack of management or because of, you know, whatever, you don't have enough demand, right? Like you, you mentioned with the speed guy, it's funny because that's the exact, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh man, he should meet my friends. They would both hire really expensive guys to do a couple things a month and, and then wonder why they're not profitable. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it's like having those situations. Once you 86 that, once you say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I need to go with a service or I need to grab a managed VA, right? Whatever. I need to hit up my guy, Matt. <laughs> like once they make that decision, then there's that loss. And here's, a, here's something a lot of people don't talk about when it comes to the teams, team building and whatnot, is what it costs. Like there's the, the cost to hire, right? Then there's the, the cost to manage and the cost to optimize and refine and sustain. And then there's the cost when you fire, right? 
and all of that becomes a dead investment. And it's like, that's, that's tough. And that's something that's tough for me. It's like, when do I, when do I take it out back and, and shoot it? Right. Yeah. Like when, when am I going to say <laughs> that was um, for your American listeners. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's true. Like, Hey, when am I, when am I ready to say, okay, I, I messed up, which is not a bad thing. Like I, you know, you should say, okay, I, I made a mistake here. Let's learn from it, right? I mean, the, the, the ability to make those decisions is, is really what makes you a good business owner a, a, a lot of the time, right? Because that is the top decision. Like, it's one thing if you have someone who's performing crap and giving them the kick, that's one thing. But actually, if you have someone that, for example, speed optimization, you hire them to do a speed optimization, and you realize, oh, I made a boo-boo doing this role. The guy is performing brilliantly, but you know, financially, it doesn't make sense for us to keep going. So we have to let him go. Like those kind of really tough decisions are really the the things that differentiate someone that will be super successful and someone that won't, right? Because yeah. they are the really tough decisions that. Uh, that ain't fun to make that's 100 percent sure right but it's the ones that make the, the difference in the business because if you have a business that's consistently carrying a, around overhead because you're not strong enough to actually deal with it that is a business like that's a sinking ship right mm-hmm. um and and like i sometimes see people trying to outgrow it and so on but it, it's so difficult if you're carrying around that way it's like so difficult it is, and it, it can kill. Another thing, and here's here's something we've done. We had this project. It was this, I want to call it a product or a service, but it was something we were building, and we started working on it two different times with two different people in the company, and it never came to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, to have people on it like that is – it, to me, it's just smart to kill it, right? Because it starts to bring down morale and yeah. you're kind of dumping money and resources into something. Like, I agree with you, man. I, I, good, Not to say I'm a good manager either. I think, I think management's a, it's, it's, an every, it's, a, it's an everyday learning experience, right? As you Definitely. run into these different issues and scenarios. But, you know, I, I just, you know, knowing when to say, okay, let's focus on something that they can complete. Because, you know, if you have stuff that's constantly dying, that's, that's not good for employee morale. Like, that's not good for your staff, right? To constantly be expending resources into stuff that kind of just, that's, you know, again, taken out back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's another thing that we ran into that pretty hard with. A, it was a big project. I mean, it was a multi-year thing. And yeah. that, that was a serious blow to two managers we had on that. And it was, um, you know, it was interesting how we, how we had to kind of kill it and, and, you know, get new projects churned up to, you know, keep our, keep our rhythm, if you will. And, and I think in those cases, though, one of the things is also being honest about it. A lot of time, business owners love hiding their failures, right? which is why yeah. I love asking about them. But people love saying, oh, yeah, that project didn't go great. But I, I love it when people stand up to their staff and say, guys, we tried to do this thing and we totally blew it, right? Like yeah. actually being honest to your staff and say, hey, guys, we tried something and, you know, we failed miserably. Um, again, that's not to scare people, but again, you're wanting people to be honest to you. You're wanting people to be transparent with you. 
And if you're doing that the other way around, like you don't have to tell them how much it costs you, but, right. but just showing that kind of honesty to people really goes a long way in building those strong re- relationships and commitments and so on, right? And I, I think that's a, yeah, that's a, a great point. And like one of, one of the things I always work with people on, like, as you said, management is not easy. And, and I agree to an extent. I think that the key thing about management, it, it's like SEO, when you do it the first time, it seems scary as fuck because your knowledge is, is nothing, right? And when yeah. your knowledge of something is very low, it obviously seems really scary. But I would say for most people who can learn SEO, management isn't difficult, right? So you definitely need to take some hours to invest in it. But like the, the course I have, like sort of I call the 80-20 of management, right? It's literally four hours. Now I'm not saying in four hours you will be the best manager in the world, but you can learn enough to start making it interesting. And the whole thing is most people that start working with me initially, when they come to me, they're like, oh, you know, I, I don't really like managing people. I don't like management. But really what they're saying is, They haven't learned management and therefore they don't enjoy it. But a lot of the people I work with, and not everyone, 100%, but I would say about 80% of the people I work with actually start liking management because it is not too difficult, too different from SEO. Like it's like you learn some skills, you try and apply it, you see how it works and you do some split testing and you do like it's it's not that different, right? Uh, Human are a little bit more complex than Google to say the least. But it, like the whole, the whole mindset of SEO is actually not that different from it. And I, f- I find that very interesting when I see people sort of, because most people come in exactly with the view that you, you were just sharing where it's like, oh, management is really difficult, right? So, but it's very interesting. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, I, th- I think a lot of it comes down to uh, something that really helped me. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard, and most people listening to this have heard of Basecamp. Yep. Um, I'm actually not a big fan of Basecamp, the tool. But not at guy, all. Yeah, like it's just not for me. But the guys behind it are like next level. Like those dudes are like seriously impressive. Yep. And um, I, heard, uh, I heard the one guy, I can't even remember his name or his position, but he spoke at uh, SaaS Stock which um, if anyone heard of it, it's a YouTube channel. It's super dope. I, we can learn so much from the SaaS space where it's just data-driven, right? And just yeah. like clusters of extremely intelligent people figuring out what works and how it works the best. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, I heard the one guy talk there. And then, of course, I read like – I read Rework, and they just released a free book. And it's it's basically on their, their Scrum methodology, Um their agile management, doing their like sprints. Um, and that's really like, that stuff helped me a lot. E- even implementing little things like that. And uh, even, even kind of helping your team uh, understand like Pomodoro techniques and like how to best optimize their time. Like that stuff, there's, there's so much free information out there. Yep. And there's, there's so many, like I said, the, I mean, the rework book, obviously, that's not really a management book per se. That's, that was a really interesting book, though. But, like, they, they have their book for free on the base camp site somewhere where they, they, talk, about, um, they talk about some cool stuff, I, I think. I, I'm pretty sure it's still on there. But yep. uh, regardless, even grabbing something like that to get started, like, anything's better than nothing, right? Anything's better than kind of just, like, like – uh, 
Oh man, I've I've seen some. I, I'm sure, considering you you consult for agencies, you probably have seen nightmarish <laughs> nightmarish things. But like I, I've seen like complete things managed in like non dynamic spreadsheets where people have to go ten different places and then like record something in a spreadsheet and then like ten different places and like even even without talking about like automation and just some of the amazing things like like the average joke and in Google Sheets using macros or, or yeah. you know, very basic scripts you can find out there or have done for you on Upwork really inexpensively. Like, even without that stuff, just creating some type of a system. And then, you know, there are guys like you who do the consultations. That's super helpful. Like, you know, I, I, think, I think that seems like a really good combination to get a lot of people started. But Actually, what so what I agree with you. I mean, there is so much free stuff, and one one of the key things that I always try and hammer home with people is is the fact that particularly we, we touched on it, right? But when you promote people into a management position, right, don't expect them go to go home Friday morning and uh, go home Friday afternoon and come in Monday morning and suddenly be a totally different person. Yeah. If you promote someone into a management position invest in their training and i see it i I see it it, it's worse in the seo industry than anywhere but basically what people do when they promote someone to a manager they buy them a a complicated seo course yeah right so and i'm like well if you want someone to be a manager you shouldn't be buying them more seo courses because hopefully they get that piece that's why they're a manager in the first place what you should be helping and supporting them with is actually learning management skills right that that's amazing that you said that because that immediately triggered maybe the biggest mistake. I might have to change my answer <laughs> on that, but uh, we promoted based on performance and seniority, which I'm not saying it's bad. It's, it's, it's a bad thing to incentivize like your skill set growing and your performance improving. Obviously that's that they're amazing KPIs to look for in your staff. Right. Yep. But, um, the biggest thing, and I, I talked to I talked to my one partner. Oh man, maybe three months ago. Like this is recent. Like this has a uh, a sense of recency for sure. And I was like, man, you want to know the, the biggest mistake? We I swear to God, I I might have even said, you know, one of the biggest mistakes we've made in our management is that we promoted people that are rock stars, but like. Again, like for me, everything I learn about management, I've, I've learned either through procuring information or experience, right? Failing, <laughs> trial and error. And it's like, why would anyone else be any different? So we know these people's background because we, we looked at it when we interviewed them, right? And now they're working for us and like they're, they've become really good at SEO or they're really good at, you know, whatever, whatever thing it is. But you know, they're compartmentalized inside of that thing. That's their skill set. So now when you layer management in there, like you said, manage, management's a whole thing, right? It, yeah. It's not It's not like, okay, our, the, like a lot of times, the, and this is specifically for like development, a lot of times the best engineer isn't the best manager, more times than not. Like the best engineer should be engineering, right? The best manager should be managing the engineers. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with that to a large extent. The, the one thing I have with that is generally people who have the ability to be an outstanding performers 
are also generally the people who can learn management really well. Because be, being an absolute top performer generally requires you to step out, take ownership, take responsibility, and do things that not everyone wishes to do, right? That, 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 that is the drive behind uh, like absolutely a player performance, right? Uh, agreed, man. Agreed. And, and the biggest mistake we made was like they learned the SEO so well, or they learned their division so well, but yeah. we didn't. And and this is just parroting exactly what you said. Like we didn't invest in their management education. So what could we expect, right? And like yeah. we we saw the results of that over time, over the years, for sure. Now, two, two key things around that, right? So one of them is that really you have to start growing people before they move into the management role, right? A again, if you start training people for management the second they're promoted, that's a bit like hiring someone and saying, okay, you are our SEO from tomorrow right? I'm, I'm sure you'll pick it up along the way. So just like if you want to have a fully good uh, SEO dude ready, like you, you need at least some months at least to train them up in your systems and your processes and everything, right? You really want to do the same with managers, right? So what one of the key things that I work with all my clients on is really making sure that they start focusing much more on personal development with people and start looking much earlier as who is the management potential here and actually starting their personal development around management much, much earlier. Because if you, if you know, like, let's say a year before you need to promote a manager, like you're not even thinking that the company is going to grow that much at a time. But at that point, you already want to start developing that management skill within your staff. Because the day you need them, you don't want them to be at point blank, right? You want them already at that point to say, yep, boss, I've been training for this thing. I'm now ready. Let's go, right? And that, that, that's the whole framework. Like a lot of my management framework is really around that sort of mindset where you're preparing for what's coming out instead of just reacting at the point in time. Because you're 100% right. If you have to hire a new manager today and you look at your team, your best performer might not be the person at this point in time. But for most people, it's because they haven't been developed. Exactly. And the whole, the whole point in developing management skills is really that also make them better at various other things. Like I say, people become better at SEO by developing management skills. Because if you only think SEO as in, you know, what's the button you click, that's a different aspect. But if you think SEO and like, you know, what's the right business decision to make here? What's the right, like there's a lot of business understanding that makes you significantly better when you start understanding business rather than only SEO, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. That was really well said. Super well said. Yeah, and we saw the we saw the negatives, right, of not conditioning uh, management early enough, right? We waited until it was way in, in, into the into the party, and we were like, "Oh wow, they yep. they need help," right? So it Definitely. was, yeah, very well said, man. I agree. I mean, better better late than never. So again, better start now, but. Um, like if you just promoted someone, but, but the ideal, the longer term, the framework you want to build up will, will want to consistently be looking for who is the future leaders in your business and how do we prepare them for those roles? 
And by the way, that's also one of the biggest shots of motivation you can give people. Like when you when you have amazing performers and you're saying, not today and maybe not tomorrow, but you know, we want to prepare you to be one of our next leaders at some point when the business grow big enough. Like I, I can tell you that I've seen few things that motivates people more than that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So, excellent. Last point I want to hit on before we finish, Mark. Um, in SEO, the biggest challenge I see consistently is people struggling to delegate. How have you gone through that journey yourself? Like, how have you learned delegation? Have you learned delegation? Um, any any golden nuggets on that aspect? So I was really lucky in in terms of that because a long time ago I was looking for a vehicle to invest cash in and I ended up going to, oh man, I went to one of those, um, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of fortune builders. Yeah. It was, yeah. So I went to one of their uh, run to the back and give us like 30 grand events and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> man, you can you can learn a lot about marketing by watching them market. Um, and it it's funny, man. How never mind. That's that's a different conversation. But I, I was there, and I tell you, the one nugget I pulled out of it because, like, again, I was I was in my marketing. I mean, this was a long, long time ago, but I was in my marketing career, and I was like, oh man, these guys are good. Like, they're just going to bullshit us for two days. And then they're going to want a $30,000 check written at the back of the room. Uh, and, you know, I, I identified that pretty quick, and I didn't really buy into the hype. But the one guy, he was – I can't remember his name. He was the shorter guy from the show that they had on television where they rehabbed and flipped. Mm-hmm. And um, he said something that – and it's a very basic – it's a very silly, basic thing that should be obvious. But to me, it wasn't at the time. It was in my early 20s, and I just didn't think like this. Um, I had more of a scarcity mindset, maybe, right? I was just getting started. But he stood up there, and they were talking about the viability of you know, investors holding homes for a long time to get top dollar. And he's like, man, I flipped that shit quick because in the time you sit on that house for a, a year to get top dollar, I'm, I'm flipping three, four homes in that year's time. So even though I might be, to you, it looks like I'm taking a haircut on each house, but I ended up coming out, you know, I, I made more money this year, far more money, and I've gained more experience and connections, right? I've built more, you know, just everything you build when you do four flips as opposed to one, right? Yeah, yeah. And he used the term, he's like, don't step over dollars to pick up pennies. And I started a, <laughs> it's a very simple thing, but I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I'm never going to step over a dollar to pick up a penny. I was like, I'm a dollar picker upper kind of guy. And ever since, I've, I've applied that to every aspect of my life in terms of like, you know, I immediately outsourced everything around the house that I don't want to do. Amazing. Whether it's like, it just it is to the point where it's like I was doing, um, I, I used to, I used to exercise a lot before I just became like job of the hut. And um, so I, I, I paid for the actual meal prep, not like those mailed in meals. I paid for real meal prep home cleaning, everything. And then for the business, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, if you, I can't remember the number. I think it's around, you need to make like a thousand bucks an hour, I think for a 40 hour work week. No, that'd be a 20 hour work week. I think it's 500 bucks an hour then, right? 
Do a million a year. I, that's that could be politician math, man. Frank Kern said to never do math live. <laughs> He's not lying. But whatever it is, it, maybe it's five hundred. That'd be what twenty thousand, twenty thousand a week, twenty, forty, sixty, eighty. Yeah, that's closer yeah. to being it. Because a million a year is what like eighty three six or eighty six three, whatever. But yeah. when you really put the number on your time, it's like if what I'm doing isn't a, and I think I use the thousand dollar an hour thing because it's like you know when I'm a hundred years old because I'm going to live that long, hopefully, <laughs> um, yeah. without exercising and meal prepping anymore. Like I, I want to be, I don't want to work forty hours right like i'm okay with dying like dying at the desk like i'm a workaholic but you know but if you value your time at that 500 or thousand dollar per hour number you know which you should be right and maybe even more like if you want to do 10 million you have to 10x it i know everyone loves hearing the 10x that's uh that's not cliche or anything but you know i don't want to do a task that isn't going to net me that thousand an hour or that five thousand dollars. Now you can't take that to an extreme. Sometimes you have to get your hands dirty, right? Sometimes sure. you have to pick up the phone or you have to put a fire out. Like you can't be a snob about it until you're, you know, you're big enough to be a snob about it. But Definitely. you know, I, I really so that was something I always focused on. I still give like my partners. I, I still bitch at them to this day. Like just last week, I, I yelled at two partners and I was like, yeah, that's. I was like, you, you're at a net, uh, a negative net on that. I was like, you had to spend four of your hours on that. You're a net negative. I was like, you made zero dollars on that, on this whole thing now. And, <laughs> and everyone loves hearing that from me, right? The, yep. cynic, the cynical, big bearded bastard that I am. But it's true. Like, you know, just always trying to revert back to like, man, like, is this something I should try to pass off, you know, or is, is this something I should hire out, right? Like, yep. If you want to, if you want to do five, ten million a year, you can't sit and build your two thousand, three thousand dollar WordPress sites, right? That's just not something you do. You have to sell ten million dollars worth of two thousand dollar sites, right? Like that's the big business development goal. Like yeah. that's what you should be working on: bringing in the revenue, making sure the people are there to build the sites for you. Scaling is needed. Blah blah blah. Like, but that's one of the. You know, that's that's something I've really been blessed with. I heard that and it clicked. And from that day forward, like, that's that's constantly – and I, I even apply that to the, the workers. I have one person. Um, she's in-house. It's uh, Nikki. She's an awesome SEO. She's phenomenal. Everyone loves her. All our customers love her. But I always yell at her. I'm like, Nikki, were you doing this? I was like, you know you shouldn't be doing that. We have people that make less money than you that are sh that should be doing that. And I don't say that in terms of, I mean, of course, I'm always trying to optimize my dime, right? But yep. at the same time, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying for any other reason that, like, once you get put into management in, our, in any of our businesses, now you have to think like us. You're a mini-me. You have to yep. think like us. You should say, okay, I'm now a manager. Anything I shouldn't be touching, right, it's no longer valuable for me to touch. There's no ROE, ROI, whatever, I need to pass that on and just make sure it's being done right. So. I love it. I love it. I, I actually had a similar experience. Like I learned also from a very early age, even when I worked corporate, like I, I would actually take a taxi back and forward to work uh, mm -hmm. because I realized it saved me like an hour and I don't know, uh, an hour and 20 minutes every day or something. And, and I was like, my, my, my hourly salary is worth more than, the taxi so yes. it makes zero point for me taking like taking the bus or whatever 
so that was like, and that, that was pretty early on, right? But it was, it was the same sort of mindset. And, and I, I think it's so critical, like when you run a business, the ability to actually focus on what makes proper money. Because like, again, so many agencies I work with, right? They bump into this thing again and again. They're so focused on like, oh, let's save 25 cents by, you know, doing this ourselves. And like, I love when I start new businesses, which I do occasionally, I, I love getting into the grind. I love like fucking going hoovering the floor or whatever. Just yeah. again, because you, you want to show people that spirit. You want to you wanna show them you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen, right? But very, very quickly, you have to get into a mode where your focus is on, you, you know, from a financial perspective. Does it make sense? Yes, no. Yeah, for sure. Here's a really good, this is, this is short, this is brief, but uh, sure. we, we used to work downtown and um, there was dead, like we had a, a lot that we rented, but it was like far away from the building. And then there was actual meters, paid meters out front of the building to park. And we actually did the math on it that based on how long it took to take the elevator down, remember to have change, right? Who carries change anymore? Like, I don't even carry cash. I'm all card. I'm all plastic. And the, yeah. this is an older town. We don't have the card machines that take the cards. Like, this is like, you have to have quarters, dimes, and nickels, baby. Or you're not getting, or you're not parking. So, like, you know, we're talking like a 200-year-old town, like little town. Um, so, you know, we did the math on it. And how many times we got ticketed per month, it, it, was, it was cheaper just to get ticketed than putting the, you know, filling the times up for the eight to 10 hours a day. We were there five days a week, some, some of us more. And then the time it takes to actually do it, I was like, dude, this is a freaking bargain. Kick it the hell out of us. Like, I'm not going down there. So yeah. like, it, that's a little extreme, but like we took it to the limit, man. I did some quick uh, napkin math on that one afternoon. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm never paying the meters again. And I didn't. And even on the worst months of getting ticketed, it was nowhere close to the amount of money we'd spend on the meters or the time to go fill the meter. And that's petty. People shouldn't shouldn't spend time on petty shit like that. But yeah. it was just one of those days where uh, where we did. So, <laughs> but 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 it, it's interesting. Now it works well until they realize what you're doing and they're standing down there four times every day. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there there ha there was a, a couple rough weeks, but. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, it was just funny. It was just silly because we definitely took it to uh, to an extreme. And at the time, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you ever met Matt Stack. No, um, I thought no. He was he was an enigma, man. He's not on Facebook anymore, but he moved down here and we worked together for a few years. And um, we were very we were like very tight friends. And uh, he was really like obsessed with like lean management and time optimization and you know we we definitely rabbit hold on that sometimes and took it to an extreme and it's cool though it's it's fun like i i always really enjoy uh something i do is go back through all the all of the products or services we offer and we'll dig through and if we add things to improve them as times change or you know i just optimized and took like three hours off our setup time for new SEO clients and they get like a better experience now. So I love kind of optimizing process, process docs and it allows me to walk around the, the office and tell people I'm a process engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's working, right. As long as I can get the times looking good, but 
the first time I mess up on that, I probably won't be able to uh, tell that joke anymore. But I love stuff like that. And, you know, I, I really, he, he definitely lit a fire under my ass when he moved down and was just like, just hyper obsessed with like time management and time optimization and project management. Just like he was, he was very anal about it and it definitely rubbed off. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Listen, that have been an amazing podcast. Uh, great talking to you. If people are eager to get in contact with you, Mark, or some of your cool businesses, what what's the best way to get in touch? Honestly, um, I have a free Facebook group. It's a local cool. client takeover. Um, yep. I mean, that's cool. I'm in there. Um, I, I'm not quite as... I, like I lurk a lot. I don't post as much as I did. I'm, I'm just super busy. Uh, I have a new project. I don't. I don't even have a site up yet, though. So I don't even know if I should say anything. But I have a new thing where, like I said, I'm going to be focused on uh, buying equity in people's agencies, helping them grow, helping them systemize. Like, um, you know, we basically put automation in place. We put our fulfillment teams behind it. Um, and we also purchase a piece of the agency. So there's cash involved too. Um, nice. I, I want to do that. And through that brand, I'm, I'm going to be, um, you know, I'm going to be tapping into private equity funds for, uh, you know, capital, yep. uh, <laughs> capital investment. And like I said, we're just building software. That's going to be the growthfoundry.com. Like I said, it's not even, I don't even have a site up on it. I just bought the domain um, off brand bucket a couple of, couple weeks ago but it should be live cool. soon but cool. um that that's about it man i'm, I'm around <laughs> i'm excellent. just i'm just around i'm easy to find <laughs> excellent that's awesome mark we'll, we'll include the links here in the show notes so people can can get hold of you if needed and yeah it sounds super exciting with your new project it's uh yeah i i am i am really excited i you know i just uh we'll see We'll see if I can accomplish the ultimate dream of scale in the SEO world, which is just owning is a bunch of SEO agencies. Definitely. <laughs> we'll see how it works. Wish me luck. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. All right. Listen, Mag, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the show. All right. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.